When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details.
afternoon and welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by James McKenzie. That was the glory in the dream. I'm going to start playing it at 27 minutes past every day so that you don't lose any of your Axom chat and we're not late. James, I'm going to start um, and I'm unapologetically going to start by giving you a wee update on the, on the single, right? Because all weekend, obviously, we did the charity weekender. 26-hour shift over the weekend, and here I am at 12.30, um, bright and fresh and breezy, to talk for another hour about Celtic. But you know what happened? The song actually became available at midnight, right, this morning. And it's in the top five of the iTunes rock chart above Fleetwood Mac and Noel Gallagher. And the last time I checked, it was in uh, 88th position in the main chart. And that's already crawled up a few positions uh, this morning. So the download link is underneath this video. Every single penny goes to St Mary's, which is the birthplace of our football club. Um, so, James, I want to get that in there first and foremost for all the listeners. Um, and yes, I know that I'm plugging it, um, but let's do it for St Mary's. Let's do it for the Celtic um, history and the fan base. Thanks, everybody, for your for your feedback on it. James, we're going to be talking Aberdeen. Let's get the World Cup out of the way first. Let's get that subject out the road first. What was your thoughts on the final? I think I've mentioned it on the show already because we've, we've briefly spoke about it amongst the Celtic chat. And I think I've said I wanted Messi to win the World Cup. I think everybody sort of wanted Lionel Messi to win. It was the only thing that he hadn't accomplished in his sort of storied career. And he finally done that. He won the World Cup. 
And I've seen people, my dad's, what, 55, 56, and he was calling it the best World Cup final he's ever seen. Mm. It's as, as far as World Cups go, I think it's probably, it's, from a footballing perspective, the most exciting one I've seen, at least. I, I'm not just too sure about yourself, but it was entertaining and the penalties was probably the perfect way for it to go because it was hard to split. Either time three, either team 3-3 three, three goes to penalties and Argentina come out on top, but I'm just happy to have Celtic back. That was, I, I, I think know. I was more excited for Celtic Aberdeen on Saturday than I was for the World Cup final on Sunday. Absolutely. I mean, I do think back to the impact of Maradona in 1986 and looking so so forward to the 1990 World Cup, mainly as a result of that. Um, obviously, uh, Scotland and Ireland were there. Um, Scotland, certainly, were at the 1990 World Cup finals. Ireland um, done superbly well, getting right through to the quarterfinals. Toto Scalacci scoring the only goal past Pat Bonner to knock them out. And I remember the final being a huge disappointment. So what your old man's saying there, often the final kind of flatters to deceive. It kind of builds you up and it's just not a great game of football. But that was different yesterday. Um, and... You know, like yourself, I did want Messi. I did want Messi to win it because at the very beginning of the tournament, I had a wee chat with Stuart, who, who works in the studio, and he was talking about the greatest of all time. And I said it's very difficult to compare eras, players from different eras. But uh, in 25 years' time, when they're talking about the greatest of all time, at this moment in time, um, they're always going to be talking about Pele and Maradona unless your man Messi wins the World Cup. And only then will he be as revered, I feel, in years to come because you've got players like Puskas and Di Stefano and, and that ilk and Eusebio and all these players who are absolutely world class but it's always Maradona and Pele that you hear when they're talking about the greatest of all time and I think Messi is now entering that trio uh, big shout out to Alexandro Bernabe uh, famously becoming the first Argentinian to play for Celtic I think the Argentina CSC were pretty chuffed about that he hasn't got started yet I don't think really 100% he hasn't got started uh, a lot of that's down to Greg Taylor's performances um, since Ange came in to be fair but you know particularly this season and that takes us on to the game yesterday um, I want as many people as possible to get involved in the chat. Yeah, the song is a belter. Thanks, Kenny. And if you are able, it's a 99 pence download and the download link is underneath this particular video. We really have something on our hands here, James, that we've got a platform we've built up over a period of time and we can use it uh, to do good in our communities and in the community of the birthplace of the football club that we all love. And we're doing it a wee bit differently with the single. I've got to say, every time I hear it, every time I watch that video, I just think, you know, Paul and the Wakes, as well as Carly Connor, um, and everybody else involved have done a, a remarkable job. Michael, 12.30, my backside acts on, we're always late. Are we? Are we late, James? It always <laughs> says 12.30 when I go live. So maybe it's 12.30 plus... 30 seconds, I'm not sure, but it's always saying 12.30 on my screen when we go live. Let's talk about Aberdeen yesterday. They're coming in for a lot of stick. We, for the first time uh, ever, we had uh, opposition fans on the preview show on Saturday. And we've got a couple of dandy dons on to talk about uh, Jimmy Goodwin, how well he's done. Um, and they were so confident going into the game. Robbie predicted a draw for Aberdeen and Glenn predicted a win they were that confident and that would have been the first Aberdeen win at Petordia against Celtic since 2016 by the way um, and we come up against this side and they've been getting a lot of plaudits and they were absolutely murder 
and I've seen quite a few of the um, comments coming in talking about anti-football. They were really, really poor. That's one of the worst performances that I've seen because when I, when you come up against Livingston and play like that, or if you come up against St Mirren and play like that, James, it's because they don't really have generally the creativity that the players uh, in an offensive sense who can damage you. But Aberdeen do, and they played like that. It was hugely disappointing. Yeah, when you look at the sort of fixture calendar and you see... Which games are going to be exciting? Celtic and Aberdeen is usually a guaranteed exciting game. Just like a trip to Hearts as well would usually be one of the most exciting games of the season. And I wouldn't really understand the confidence from an Aberdeen perspective. I mean, I think we're unbeaten in Pataudry in 12 games. But I would have expected them to show a bit more fight. I mean, they've got brilliant attacking players. Was it Majovski and Duke have been absolutely phenomenal this season. Yeah, they scored a lot of goals as well. And Goodwin sides, they usually always play pretty positive football. They try and go for it. He did it St Mirren, and he has done it at Aberdeen as well. So I was a bit surprised when they came out like that. I think perhaps maybe games against Celtic Rangers earlier in the season where they've tried to go for it and been caught out. Mm. That may have sort of Jim Goodwin would be thinking that hasn't worked. Let's try something different, but. I mean, the stat that stood out the most to me from that game, it was Aberdeen 170 accurate passes, Callum, no, Aberdeen 119 accurate passes, Callum McGregor 170. That just sums up the football Aberdeen played, but also how well the captain played on his first league game back. Yeah, and, and we will be pinpointing some of the performances. Callum McGregor will be one of those. Um, and again, I, I looked at the kind of aftermath of the game because I'd spoken to Robbie and Glenn, and their view was Aberdeen allowed McGregor to run the midfield. I don't think it's as easy as that. I mean, I think Callum McGregor um, ran the midfield. It was not about about being allowed to run it. Um, but yeah, they were really, really poor. I felt you didn't attack, but it did make for quite a frustrating afternoon. And obviously, Kevin McCluskey and I, we, um, we did the old uh, watch-along, something we hadn't done for a while. And uh, so we were basically, it was raw motion all the way through the game. And if you watch it back, we were chatting, I think, 20 minutes near the end. And we basically said, right, OK, so here it is. This is one of those moments. And this is why the tagline says the mentality that continues Celtic's classic trait of winning late on. This is not a new phenomenon. It's something that we have done. The great Celtic sides of the past have done it. And Ange Postacoglu's got it. And, you know, the mentality of this side to never stop. And I know... That is a that's something we're all very fond of, but twenty minutes before the end of the game, sitting at nothing each and struggling to break them down, and uh, add to that, their goalie was having a good game, yeah, very as good well. Game. And you're thinking, right, okay, is this just a motto for merchandise, or are we going to uh, continue uh, the steamroller and win the game? And obviously we did, and it was just a fantastic way to do it because um, I think the momentum you get from a win that's looking unlikely. Um, it's huge because it gives you the impetus to go into the next game, um, the celebrations after the game, etc. But we are going to be looking um, at the performances of a few. Before we do that, one of the big bugbears of JP and I on a Thursday is talking about empty seats. Um, and obviously after the game, Ange and the players go up to the tremendous travelling support. But, you know, you look around that stadium, James, and there was empty seats all over the place. I still don't get it. I don't understand it. Yeah, I've made the point when talking to my dad about it I think it was I think we travelled to Dundee United last season and I made the point that as Celtic 
got on a, a Celtic like team travelling to your ground not appealing anymore? Has that sort of lost its glamour? I'm not too sure. Maybe it's the ticket prices that are steering people off going to the football or the fact it's December. But the fact is there should be more people there. It's a massive game. And you made a very, very good point there when you were speaking about the mentality. It's not just a trademark. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a little something for a T-shirt. And we, you saw it last season. It was the late goal away to Aberdeen, coincidentally from Jota, that spurred us on. It gave us a momentum to go in the big run. It was a very good point there. And it wasn't just this season that the late goals have been coming. It was last season as well. Mm-hmm. And even sort of as recent as the Dundee United game at home, they scored very late on and we had to go on and get the win. Well, we never stopped, that's what Ange says. And we've scored so many late goals. I think we definitely lead the league for goals in the last 15 minutes. And it must be by a very, very sort of far and away margin. We definitely did last season. I know that for a fact. But it's not just a catchphrase. No. Um, and, and the thing with that as well is... It become once it becomes part of the culture, um, anyone who then joins a football club is going to be in a minority if they don't play the same way, show the same kind of grit mentality, uh, never say die attitude. And um, so, eighteen months into it, it's part of the culture now. Um, and obviously, anybody else who comes into Celtic will be um, obviously bedded in. So it's not. It was a worry when Ange came in because we spoke about the mentality not being right at Celtic, the culture not being right at, because of the previous season that we'd had. But you see wins like that yesterday and you, you were right to bring up the Dundee United one, two each and the 90 minutes were up and we win 4-2. Okay. Um, and because we know we can do it, I think that that's always in the back of the mind. There did have to be a few changes um, tactically, a few substitutes to make it happen. Um, however, we got there in the end, and I do want to speak about a few of the performances. The first one I'll talk about, uh, you mentioned Jota, and Jota, you know, Aberdeen, I think he, he actually enjoys playing against Aberdeen, yeah, does, does Jota. Um, and in that first half, I thought that he looked in the mood, he was really keen on coming inside, which he does so well, uh, bringing it inside and then striking a goal, taking on his man, he, he looked like he had his bag of tricks. Um, but... That was completely nullified in the second half. And I don't know if it was because Aberdeen were playing on well or we just completely changed the direction of travel and everything went down the right. Yeah, it was... You, you mentioned Jota there. It, it didn't really stand out to me too much in the first half to where it was a standout performance. But I thought in the second half, maybe it was the impact that Leo Labada had in the second half that didn't make Jota stand out. Because I thought in the first 10 minutes of that second half, Abada had showed more impetus than Maeda or Jota did in that entire first half. <laughs> I thought some of the Aberdeen defenders had some very good games. I thought Anthony Stewart, I think he's the captain, in particular had a very good game. But I thought Abada was very positive. But I would have been expecting a bit more from Jota. As you mentioned, he always sort of pops up with a goal against Aberdeen. The 3-2 game at Pataudry stands out. I think he got a double there. A very important game. But I would have been expecting a bit more for Jota. Yeah, and it is great to be able to call upon people who can make that difference. I mean, when I seen the the, the lineup, um, and we probably predicted this last week, you wanted Carter Vickers and Starfelt to um, be the central defensive partnership, regardless of the travel and, and the fact that Carter Vickers hasn't really had a rest uh, as such. You you appreciated that Juranovic wouldn't be back in time. He was obviously injured for the third place playoff, but they did win that and he got his medal. But the other one, I think 
that probably surprised me in the starting lineup was Maeda. Not because I'm using it as a an opportunity to have a dig at him. I just don't think that, you know, in terms of the form that everybody's been showing, Abada in particular, prior to the World Cup, Abada would have started for me. He didn't, but it looked as though he really wanted to prove a point. He was happy to take on his man. At half time, James, the, the comments that were coming through were pretty critical because I had said um, I didn't think anyone had had a particularly bad game. That's what I had yeah. said at half time. Um, but the, a couple of the, the names that came up were Kyogo and uh, Tony Ralston. And I think Tony Ralston came on to a good second half, but a big part yeah. of it was a badder. They link up so, so well, doing the right, don't they? Yeah, it was particularly defensively in the first half. There was even some moments in the second half, but you'd be lying to yourself if you said he hadn't come on and improved in the second half. The only moment I can sort of think of was when he got ripped off Johnny Hayes, which is not something you want to be seen from a Celtic fullback getting ripped off a, what, 35-year-old Johnny Hayes. But apart from that, I thought it was a fairly decent second-half performance, and that's in part to the sort of connection he has with Abada. Because if you think back to last season, Abada was the main player playing down that right-hand side along with Anthony Ralston. So they will have formed that connection already. It's a well-formed bond. Mm-hmm. And I thought, when I saw the lineup, I saw no Haksabanovic. I thought he was going to be the player that was going to be playing on the wing along with Shaw. So when I didn't see him... I was quite surprised. I think he picked up some sort of illness or an injury in training. So I was quite surprised not to see him in the lineup. But as you mentioned, I would have had a bad in there. Dover dies made, definitely. Yeah, well, Abilgar was not on the bench either, was he? Which um, I don't know if there was a reason behind that. We'll, we'll have a wee chat about Abilgar, Haksabanovic, and Burnaby in relation to some players who obviously they haven't. I, I, Listen, Haksabanovic has been very impressive, but I don't think those three players have got going yet in terms of what they're capable of. So the second half of the season is going to be very interesting. Um, however, I think Abelgar and Bernabe will be doing well to get in the team because of the performances of others. I'm really keen to get some of your comments and your thoughts in. George, sorry we're late, pal. It started and my shakes are gone. Nice one. Um, and we've got... Uh, Seen in short, uh, tuning in from Dublin, and we've also got Susan Finlay doing our Christmas rapping, which was a song. That was a Christmas song, and um, that links us in nicely to the, the glory in the dream because Paul Cook is well, that's the lyrics. This feels like paradise, and I have you know, kind of found myself singing along to that song because probably because I've uh, played it about 500 times in the last uh, two or three days. Um, who else is coming in to have a wee chat? Kookaburra afternoon from Australia. Hopefully you're doing well over there. And we've got Shane Murray. Good afternoon from... Now, let me pronounce this properly. Ranala? Tell me if that's wrong. Tell me if it's wrong. I'm usually quite good with pronunciation, but when it comes to sort of Irish names, it, it completely throws me off. In Dublin. Let us know if that's that's wrong, Shane. Educate us um, if we've got it wrong. And Keith, again, coming in from Plymouth. Great to see you. Um, and Studs, Lanigan, afternoon, Celts. What's the crack? Um, jungle Lion, let's get the steamroller started. 100%. Uh, loads to chat about. Let's talk about a, a few more of the performances. I mentioned Kyogo, right? So let's talk about him first. And I'm not trying to start on a negative because the way that I was talking about uh, the Kyogo performance yesterday... Uh, or the day before yesterday, rather, was the fact that he did miss. I think he missed a really good chance. I think he missed one really good chance. He was involved in another couple of chances that were maybe half chances. They were played behind his body, and it would have been remarkable had he been able to to turn them in. But he did miss a a very good chance. Um, And that's frustrating when you're sitting in nothing each. 
because that changes the, the overall complexion of the game. But what I was saying to Kevin on Saturday is that's no new. Kyoko misses chances, always has missed chances. It will still get 20 goals a season for you. Um, but you do want you do want that to be sharpened up a bit, particularly when the only other striker we've got is, is uh, kicking his heels on the bench. Um, didn't make a massive impact, I don't think, when he came on. Big Yakamaka is a player that I really do like. Um, but Kyogo is just not at it the way that Kyogo can be, I don't think, James. What's your thoughts? I think a lot of the criticism has been quite harsh. I mean, if you look at sort of the best strikers we've had over the last sort of five to ten years, they've all missed chances. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kyogo misses a lot of chances. Yakimakis misses a lot of chances. I think the games against Rangers stand out in particular. He could have had about three goals against Rangers last season. Edward missed chances. Dembele missed chances. It's really hard to find a striker who's going to score every single game. Those sort of players are very hard to find these days. And I thought, well, Kyogo, he does miss chances. I agree with that. Even if you look back to last season, games where he was scoring hat-tricks, mm-hmm. you'd be thinking at full time he could have had five goals in this game. But unless you're going to buy another striker to sort of improve on Kyogo, I think you'd have to pay a pretty penny yeah. to try and replace Kyogo. And if Yakimakis goes out the door in January, a new striker could be something we look for. But I think Ange, you can clearly see he favours Kyogo. He's a massive fan. When Yakimakis was scoring sort of every single game, as soon as Kyogo came back from injury, mm-hmm. him back in the team, you can see who Ange favours there. And I think he's going to give Kyogo the chance to come back to form. I still don't think he's out of form. It's maybe a bit of a lull because we had the sort of break. This is the first game back. Maybe some people are sort of forgetting how good he was before the break. But I think just just give him a few games and he'll be back to form. Yeah, uh, there was a very interesting discussion actually on the last hour of yesterday's um, stream and it was the boys from Celtic Exchange Brido and Tino and they were chatting about Kyogo and they were basically saying they've got absolutely no concerns about him um, and they think back to some of the things he has done for Celtic James and, and you know one of the obvious ones is the cup final and his performance in that cup final was astonishing but even this season he's had really really good performances like the hat trick at uh, he scored a hat trick against Dundee United didn't he and it was a quick uh, uh, hat trick yeah, as well yeah. and I think that um, you've also got to take into account right? he was a completely unknown quantity not only for us but for the opposition when he came to Celtic right? Um, and he, he hit the ground running I know that's turned into a bit of a cliche with some of the Japanese signings but he really did and he was he was so quick and he was beating off side traps and he was hunting down goalkeepers if they took a touch on the ball and he was doing all of these things but we've also got to realise that you know, opposition teams are going to be studying the likes of Kyogo because he can really damage you. He can really hurt you. And they'll be playing him a different way. And that's got to be taken into account as well. You know, you look how ultra-defensively Aberdeen played. One of the, the main players they would have been looking at would have been, you know, the threat of Kyogo. Of course it would. So you've got to contend with that as well. But I'm on the same kind of uh, page as yourself. I think that the quality, we've seen the quality that Kyogo has. Um, I don't think Yakamakis would ever like to be regarded as a backup, but he is still, for me, second yeah. choice to Kyogo. And I know that there's different games where you think, and this was another argument or another discussion point on Saturday, Petodre, um in December is maybe tailor-made for a, a Yakamakis, you know, to go in and use his big physical presence up top and get in about the, the defence of, of Aberdeen and I can see that argument as well but I don't think Kyogo done particularly badly it's just that that was a glaring opportunity that he missed um, 
Now, I'm going to, one more on the subject of centre forwards, I'm going to ask you this question because the more I think about it, the more I think that we are only going to bring in another striker if we lose one, right? And I was saying at the beginning of the season, throughout the season, I wanted another striker in, so we had three. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But made us just back from the World Cup where he was playing as a striker. And I had that conversation with Liam yesterday. Liam's based in Japan. He knows Japanese football inside out. And he has maintained that, that Maeda can play through the middle if required. We've seen Abada doing it. We've actually seen Jota doing it, you know, albeit in cameo roles throughout games. And Haksabanovic can play there. So I'm beginning to wonder whether we will actually sign a striker, James, unless there is any truth in the Yakamakis rumours. Yeah, well, the fans, there seem to be, well, if you look at the chat, there's people crying out for a third striker. I would like us to sign a third striker as well, just to have another option there. Maybe that's us being greedy. I'm not too sure. You've got you've got two top quality players to play in a position where only one player plays in the first 11 at the end of the day. And as you mentioned, you've got Maida and Abada who both filled in there. I remember Abada actually playing really well through the middle when he was called upon last season. I remember him having some very good games there. So whether we'll actually sign a third striker, I'm not too sure. I think Angie does like to have his options, though, if you think yeah. about it. The of attackers we've got, the luxury we've got on the wings and behind the striker, there's so many options you can have there. So I wouldn't put it past Ange, but I think he'll be perhaps looking at some other positions to improve. Like a number six is sort of the most important position, I think, because Abelgard hasn't worked. I think Angie should be looking to that position, but I want a striker, but I don't know if he'll actually sort of pounce on it. Well, I always go back to the this time last year, and it was on Boxing Day, and I covered the game with uh, Big Lawrence, and it was St Johnston as it happens. I know we're playing them um, on Christmas Eve, and we were in a, a real bad situation with regards to the strikers at that stage, but we had the same amount of strikers as in you know, centre forwards at the club as we do now. And we lost both of them. Yakimakis was on a treatment table. Kyogo was rushed back, should never have played. Uh, to be fair, he wasn't fit enough. And we ended up having to bring in Joey Dawson. And I'm not criticising the young guy. I think he was 18 when he came in. He wasn't ready for that. And he actually acquitted himself as well as he possibly could have done. But he, there's a player that was bought for the B team. You know, he wasn't expected to be playing in the uh, the first team 
by the turn of the year. But we, we had ourselves in that situation. I don't think it's as bad now because, as we've just said there, we can get players who are very adaptable um, and versatile to, to swap slightly. And, you know, if you've done it on a World Cup stage, you would reckon that you could you could comfortably enough slot into a game against Livingston, say, on Wednesday night or against St Johnston. And I'm just having a wee look at the charts. And, yeah, I'm going to get a bit obsessed by this, it's got to be said, uh, because I got a an update there saying that we were sitting at number 83. Sitting at number 83 in the, in the main UK charts, right? So this isn't the, the sub-chart of uh, The Rock or whatever. So I just got this coming through on my phone. Can you see that? I've had... No, you can't really see it. Anyway, we're number, we're number 83, just above F-U-C-K, the Tories. I say that just in case anybody's watching and there's kids in the room. Um, you know, there you go. And uh, just below Stormzy with Fire Babe. Never heard of that. Uh, and then Kelly, Kelly Clarkson's above us at number 81. Uh, the cramps are at number 85. So we're keeping good company. And I'll tell you, when we started this, we were sitting at number 88. So we have claimed five places in the last half hour, James. So keep downloading the track. It's a 99 pence song. And you know what? You can also just stream it. So play it on Spotify, for example. Press repeat and go and do the ironing. Give us the streams. Let's do this. Let's get us into the top 40. Can you imagine that? Can I just mention the three strikers thing you were saying there? It's I'm expecting at some point Yakimakis or Kyogo, one of them is going to leave, whether it be in January, the summer, next January, who knows. But if you think back to the last time we had three top quality strikers, it was Dembele, Griffiths and Edward. Yeah. Moose, Edward was the third choice at this point behind Griffiths and Dembele. It was getting sort of rare. The chances were rare. But eventually, one of them got injured. I think Griffiths, he got his prolonged break that he got around about January and Dembele was injured. So Edward eventually gets his chance. Uh-huh. And then before you go next summer, you've got a ready-made replacement. So if Ange is expecting one of our two strikers to leave, adding a third, us, maybe a younger prospect to take a chance on someone more in the mould of an Edward than a Patrick Clamalla to come in in January, then it could, it could pay out. We can get a real bargain. That, that's a good point, actually, yeah, talking about having the three strikers because that would have been, yeah, that would have been the last time that we had it. And uh, you remember the Rangers game, the Demolition game, and um, leading up to that, being really, really disappointed that, that Lee Griffiths didn't make it. And uh, obviously he was replaced by Dembele that day, who didn't do too badly, scoring the first hat-trick um, for a Celtic player against any team called Rangers since Harry Hood uh, done it about 40 years before. And um, Dembele went on to be a phenomenal player. And unfortunately, Lee Griffiths never recaptured his uh, form that he'd shown under Ronnie Dyla. But yeah, that would be the ideal scenario for me, would be to bring in another. And then you're looking at the, the right-back position, the left-back position, the goalkeeper, even the centre-half, and you're thinking, right, you really are spoilt for choice in all of their positions. You look at our midfield positions as well, on the wings, like we said, Maida comes off, um, Abada goes on, Jota comes off, Forrest comes on. So you've got the options. But the one place that we could be doing with an extra body, I still believe is up top. Um, I mentioned the defence there. Carol Starfelt, for me, and I said this during the game, whilst it was playing live, was, um, and I know it's easy to go for McGregor, right? And I can see why you'd go for McGregor. He was so dominant, he scores a winning goal. But Starfelt, up to that point, was my man of the match. 
I thought that, you know, there was a composure about him, James, that I don't think we've seen in, in his early part of his Celtic career. At, you know, and I'm not slagging him off, I'm not doing any of that, but he was so composed against Aberdeen on Saturday. And there, were, there was a few occasions, and I said this to Kevin during the game, where he was almost playing like an old-fashioned sweeper. You know, people were breaking the lines and across would come Starfelt. And it was just because he was able to read the situation quicker than the Aberdeen player. It gave him an extra yard. Um, and I just think that, you know, it's probably the best game I've seen Starfelt playing, although it was pretty under the radar because Aberdeen were not attacking so much. But he was nullifying the threat every time they came came forward. And um, I think that I'm in no doubt, certainly, and I want to know your thoughts, that those two have to stay together. And I'll tell you what, Kobayashi has got a job to get into that team at the moment. Yeah, when I remember when Jens first came into the team, everybody was saying, start Jens over Starfield. But I was, there, there was a whole Jens hype train. I was praying, look how good Carter Vickers and Starfield done last season as a partnership. Just leave them there. It's not broke. Don't fix it. And Angie, she should keep them together for the rest of the season. Unless Kobayashi does something spectacular. But just on the Aberdeen game, I was quite surprised at how Starfield played. Because I've always thought of Starfield as someone who needs sort of a run of games to get going. Like you saw when he first joined Celtic, I think he looked dodgy for the first maybe sort of five games. But after that, he's played enough games and then he sort of gets the confidence to sort of start playing. Even when he's had an injury or something, he takes a few games to get going. But he didn't need any games to get going this time. He was absolutely phenomenal. It was one of his better performances in a Celtic shirt as well. I think if we're talking about his better performances, I think it was at Ibrox last season. Or it might have been the... Was that, that, that was the, the backs to the wall game where, you know, they'd been getting criticised about not being able to defend and him and Carter Vickers were yeah. astonishing all day. I, yeah. It was absolutely I think there was a game against Hearts later on in the season where it was a, a, a bit of a redemption considering a lot of people were on his backs from the game at Tynecastle at the start of the season. The 2-1 game, Starfield had a shaky, shaky performance, but we can't forget that was they literally trained. It was either the day of or the day before, and that was his first time meeting the team. And that sort of stigma around him that he's shaky, he makes a lot of mistakes, it seemed to stick around for quite a while, despite him having enough solid performances to shut down. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. So uh, any, anybody's thoughts that he's a bomb scare, or whatever you want to call it. And if, if you still think he's a bomb scare now, I'd say you're a bit deluded. Because he's been absolutely fantastic for a good few months now. Yeah, he, he definitely has. And I think that was just a, another stark reminder of uh, what we've got there in the partnership between Carter Vickers and Starfield. I thought he was excellent uh, yesterday. He stood out for me more than Carter Vickers, which says something. Um, we've spoken about Abada and... You know, I think if you look at his season, his debut season for Celtic, and we've said all this before, you know, had he been a boy coming through the academy at 19, you know, you'd have been raving about him. He came in, I thought his first season was absolutely tremendous, but near the end of the season, James, he was in and out of the side. And that's kind of continued in the first half of this campaign. Um, Do you think that's the best way to to deal? I, I like rotating, I do, but... I think there is a time where, for a player like Abada, you just need to give him some games. Or do you think that often when that happens with him, two or three games in, he starts to, and I'm not saying it's complacency, but he starts to be less effective? Because we have seen that as well from him. Yeah, it's a bit strange because we've got so many options there. I want Jota to play. I want Abada to play. I want Haksabanovic to play. It's Our own riches might prove to be our own demise with players getting unhappy. I think we're kind of seeing that with Yakimakis just now if he does want his way out but I'm a massive fan of Leo Labada I think he's got out of every player at the club I think he's got the highest ceiling I think he can really go places especially when you consider how good he is at this age and I think he just needs another run of the team and I think considering his second half performance against Aberdeen he will start during the week against Livingston mm-hmm. it could be if Livingston are going to sit back like Aberdeen you might find it quite difficult to get in behind but we saw him running at the Aberdeen defence and he was he was really good at it so if you give him the chance against Livingston and then in the next few games it will it will prove it will prove dividends for us See when you talk about having the high, highest ceiling um, a player like Abada obviously through the various press conferences that we hear from Ange um, he has kind of prepared us for uh, the eventualities of losing a hero here and there but my argument is, yeah, I I realise that. I realise that there are certain players we bring to the club and that is just a, a natural progression. If you know they do well and we do well as a football club, the natural progression at times is that you'll lose two or three of them. But I think that the, the reason that I've accepted the Juranovic move is potentially going to happen is because... I would be much more disappointed if it was a player like Abada we were talking about or Jota, Carter Vickers, Matt O'Reilly, Rio Atati. That's the, that's the guys that, for me, I'm not ready to lose them, um, but I just don't think the time would be right anyway for these guys. They've, they've still, still got development, haven't they? There's still way more money to get. Right yeah. now, Abada's maybe a £14 million player and about maybe a season and a half, two seasons, he could be a £25 million player. Matt O'Reilly right now, I've seen the value being thrown around in the media as £15 million. He could easily go for £25, £30 million in about a year's time. Another sort of few Champions League campaigns, who knows how much these players' values could be. But Andrew's saying, don't get too attached to your favourites. And it's something that's been playing on my mind 
recently we've got a very good team. There's it's hard to pick out a bad player. There's not a bad player in our strongest starting eleven, I don't think. But when you're looking at improving for the Champions League next season, you've got to think about sort of who are the players that aren't as good as the others in the team when you're looking for other position to sign. Mm-hmm. It's a harsh reality that Andrew's going to need to look at eventually at some point. Well, you know when you're talking about the the um, the ability to command a bigger fee for certain players, again, that takes me back to the Juranovic one, right? So he's in a, a situation where he's on that platform and he's maximising or he's his ceiling is at the absolute top at this moment in time. And I think that's what you were saying and you explained it really well because the players we've just mentioned are not there yet. You know, Matt O'Reilly playing for Denmark, getting full international honours, having another campaign where we do better in the Champions League, then you're looking at a player who's hitting that that £25 million, like you were saying. Um, so that's probably why I'm accepting of the fact that Juranovic will probably leave in the next uh, five or six weeks. However, the other reason why I'm not too concerned about it is we've got another replacement in there. Um, you know, at this moment in time, we've got three right-backs, and it will probably change to two, and we can run with the two. Um, there's a few other players I want to talk about, but before I come to their performance against Aberdeen, James, you've mentioned um, Haksabanovic. I spoke about Bernabe at the top of the show because we're congratulating our Argentinian friends for winning the World Cup. Um, and Abulgar has come up in the conversation as well. And these are three players that arguably Haksabanovic you may not agree that he's in this category, that I don't think they have, we've seen the best of them. I don't think we've seen the best of them. That's what I'm trying to say. And in the second half of the season, um, one or a couple of them may well have something to say. If I was to ask that in the comments section, I think the majority of people would say Haksabanovic is, is the guy. He, uh, Those three, yeah. he's the one that's going to make the impact. What about the other two? Bernabe, unless something happens to Greg Taylor, and I hope it doesn't, um, He's going to just have to contend with having a game here or there just to keep you know the game time in his legs. Abogar, I've heard a few people writing him off. I'm not really ready to write him off yet. I just don't think, under the circumstances in which he came in, we should really expect much more from him at this stage. Although I was surprised he wasn't even on the bench on Saturday. Um, other than Haksabanovic, can you see the other two making any impact in the second half? I mean, it's quite hard to judge a player off of, what, four, five-minute cameos. I mean, I don't know if Andrew's judging the players off that. There must be some sort of issue in training with Abelgard or whatever it is, because we were all crying out for a defensive midfielder in the summer, in the last transfer window, and we eventually got it. We're all buzzing, and I've not seen him at all. We've hardly seen him. It's I don't even know if he's had more minutes than he did Gucci since he joined Celtic in January. Mm. But I think... If there's more to see from Abelgard, then hopefully there is, and you'll need to give him it soon enough. Because I, I don't see him getting many more minutes in the second half this season either, if we're going to be signing more players in January. So it's, it's a bit worrying for him. But just on Bernabe, I think he's very raw. And there's, there's a lot of progress that can be made with him, though. I was really excited when we signed him in the summer because he had all the taglines, a young Argentinian fullback. It was very exciting, and I think there's going to be a lot more to come from Bernabe. He's just the problem with him has been how good Greg Taylor is, because we've always spoke about how you need competition in every position to sort of push players on, give them the sort of kick that they need 
to push on the next level. And that's exactly what's happened with Greg Taylor this season. Mm-hmm. A young fullback for, what was it, three and a half, four million pounds. And Greg Taylor's seen that and he's thought, I really need to sort of stamp my place down now. Yeah. He's done just that, been the most consistent performer this season. And I think it's the competition or bring another player in that's given him a sense of urgency and it's really pushed him on. I think you're right. There's been occasions in the past where we've had a very, very good side, but we haven't had that same depth, James, right? And, you know, one of my favourite Celtic teams that I've ever watched is Martin O'Neill's team that developed into a side that got to our third European final. But even if you look at that particular game, and I know Big Big Hartson didn't make it, he was injured. Look at the bench. Just have a look at the bench on that particular night. And it's weak. It is very, very weak. We've now got a situation... I mean, David Fernandez, Bobby Petter um, were on the bench that night. I think also Jamie Smith potentially was on the bench. You know, if you look at the squad we've got now, like you've just said there, Taylor, Burnaby on the left, on the right, Ralston and uh, Johnston, and then an asterisk beside Juranovic's uh, name. In the middle, we've got five centre-halves. Goalkeeper, we've got two goalkeepers. You know, if, if there's anything wrong with, with Joe Hart, you've got no issue with giving Seagrass the game. And it, it continues throughout the team. And the one position that I don't think we've got the, the three bodies in there that we need is obviously up top. But yeah, it's a, it's a good point that you make. But yeah, it's interesting when you look at that UEFA Cup um, lineup and have a look at the bench because, you know, in that period of extra time where you need that bit of magic or you need that something to, to change the game, I don't think there was anybody on the bench to do that for us. Um, I want a wee chat about James Forrest, but before I do that, I'm keen to bring in uh, some of the comments. I'm getting updates constantly, by the way, in relation to the glory and the dream, and I have just been informed that it's sitting number 76 in the official UK charts at this moment in time. So the big ones, the ones that used to get you on the top of the pops, were sitting at number 76 in that chart. Now, when we started this particular show, we were sitting at number 88. So every single time we do a show this week, if we were to go up by 12 positions, we might be in not a bad position by the end of the week for the Christmas charts. So thanks, everybody, for pushing this and streaming it and downloading it. That is sensational. Um, And it's sitting at number four in the rock chart. (laughs) God almighty, who's above us? Chris Rea. Is above us with well, driving, driving driving home for Christmas, <laughs> followed uh, by the Wakes uh, featuring Carly Connor with the Glory and the Dream, then the Cramps at number five, Fleetwood Mac at number six, and Noel Gallagher at number seven. Ah, oh, that's tremendous! Thank you all, thank you all for getting involved. This is pretty exciting. I've got to say. Imagine we were to jump up 10 positions every day. That's the target. We want to get this song into the top 40, not because we're on an ego trip, because we're trying to make some money for the birthplace of Celtic at Christmas time. Not just for the building and for uh, those running it, but for the community work that they do in the Carlton in the east end of Glasgow. Um, there are people that they look after that it's all kept pretty uh, under the radar. They don't shout about it. They look after uh, the most vulnerable people in the community and we want to help them to do that. Um, James Devine, welcome to the show. You're watching on YouTube. I think we're about five away from hitting 20,100. So if you're enjoying what you're looking at just now and James and I talking about Celtic and you want to get involved on a daily basis, then subscribe and you'll be notified of the shows. And we will try to make sure that we come on at 27 minutes past every single afternoon this week and we'll play the song. I've got to say, says James, I'm delighted for our captain, Callum McGregor. Fantastic goal. Totally agree with that. We're going to be talking about Captain Fantastic um, in a little bit. Cal Mack, as some people call him. Now, Brendan Monaghan 
when you're getting uh, plaudits from a musician like Brendan, who says it's a wonderful song and video, you do take uh, notice of that. So thank you very much, Brendan. And if anyone hasn't checked Brendan out, you can be found on the social media channels as well. Tony Cassidy, good afternoon, Paul. And James, it's great to see you, Tony. I've still got something in the studio for you, mate. So we need to organise a wee meet-up. Or you can come out to the studio and uh, we'll hand it over. Paul O'Donnell thinks it's a great song. Thank you, Paul. Um, I had nothing to do with the creative. In fact, there was one bit of that song I did have something to do with, with the, the creative side of it, right? The song was written by J.J. Gilmer from The Silencers, Gary John Kane from The Proclaimers. Mm. It was written in 1987. Celtic were going to be releasing it for the centenary year. They decided instead to release the Celtic rap, which is one of the worst songs ever committed to vinyl. So the song was put in the vault, never heard from, from again, and the wakes have re-recorded it. But when they were going through that process... And I'm going to give credit to um, Paul McQuaid. Paul McQuaid helped us out with the launch of our events, part of uh, A State of Mind, by giving us loads of the Celtic books that he's published and the Shamrock, the fantastic Shamrock fanzines that he publishes. Um, and in the bag was a, a, a big bundle of the circular that, that Celtic put out after the formation of the club. And I was reading through it. And I know it was accurate because it's the one that's in Brendan Sweeney's book, which is definitely accurate. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great just to have a wee bit of spoken word in, in the middle of your song, um, which basically tells you why the, the club was formed. So it's Paul that says it, but that's the, that's the only credit I'm getting for this, by the way. Jungle Lion. Uh, Bula Boo to all concerned over the weekend. 26 hours in the studio. The voice is a bit ropey. Hopefully I'll get a couple of days off this week and I'll, I'll improve that. Um, they get on the honey and the chai teas and all that kind of stuff. James is back in. As for Aberdeen, they were shocking. Thankfully, yesterday's World Cup final was played. How we love football, we played. There was a real, um, you know, opposite, if you like, approach to watching the World Cup final after watching Saturday's anti-football game. It was so entertaining, uh, James, as well. And obviously, you then start looking at some of the performances Messi had. As a, a club player at Celtic Park, he's made comments about the atmosphere at Celtic. And then, of course, uh, Paddy Roberts shares a picture of Messi in the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but the first thing I was trying to do was to find my dad's brick, just in case he was standing next to it. Uh, but unfortunately, it wasn't. Paul McGurk, afternoon, says, Paul, uh, love the single, superb. Um, I'm really glad to hear it. And by the way, the artwork for the single was done by uh, Rabbit96, you'll find him on Twitter, and it's a, a reimagining of the Celtic cross that Axom has used as a crest for a while, but that is the mosaic in St Mary's in the chapel. Um, however, the artwork hadn't arrived by the time we uploaded the single, so when you see it in the charts, that's not the artwork, but the official artwork that we're seeing on social media was done with a, with a very talented artist who's also a Celtic fan. Now, Callum McGregor was mentioned there, Let's have a wee chat about Callum. I mean, last season, if you rewind to the beginning of the season, the big discussion was whether or not he should be the captain. And look at him now. Um, he played most of the last season with a mask on, so he wasn't 100% fit, James. Uh, but he still performed remarkably well. This season, I think we missed him in the Champions League games. When he was injured, he missed three games in the Champions League. We didn't win any of them. And um, I think that it was uh, a welcome back. He completely orchestrated the game on Saturday, didn't he? Yeah, you've just got to go back to the start that like I mentioned earlier, 170 accurate passes to Aberdeen's 119. They absolutely controlled the game. It was player of the year last season and 
he looked like a player of the year against Aberdeen on Saturday. As he said, we did miss him when he was out injured. It's quite hard to say it because we did win every single game. But you could mm-hmm. tell some of the games were a lot more shaky. There was a lot of moments where we were drawn or we went behind for yeah. us a few periods of time. But we just looked a lot more assured. And another thing that I thought helped us against that Aberdeen sort of anti-football, if you want to call it that, was Andrew's style of play. I thought the inverted fullbacks really helped our play there. Aberdeen was sat so far back, so having that extra option in the midfield, one of the fullbacks sort of coming central, it really helped us out in that case. And Cal McGregor was just absolutely pivotal for it. And the goal was an absolute star. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant goal. A wee flick on for James Forrest. I think that was, was it that, was that his 100th assist? Well, it was... company on 100 goals and 100 assists now. I seen it. I seen it online there. We've been talking about. He obviously scored. He, who did he score his hundredth goal against? Was it Dundee United? Um, I'm not too sure. It was only recent. I should know. Just recently, yeah. And we were talking about the fact he'd scored a hundred goals, and he was in that Centenary Boys um, kind of club, if you like. And then the, the chat went on to his assists, and the game during the game, the commentary team were talking about it being his one hundredth assist. But I was seen on Twitter that. Um, one of the the guys that does the data reckons he's he's got he's on 109. So I know that transfer marked uh, give you the assists and the goals, but uh, the valuations are a wee bit skewed for sure. But he's definitely set up at least 100 goals for Celtic for sure. Um, Can you name the other two players who've got 100 goals and 100 assists? Is it um, Jimmy Johnston? Jimmy Jim Johnston, that's one. And Henrik. Jimmy Johnston, Henrik Larson, and James Forrest. Are there three players? Oh, wow. There you go, James. Uh, Somebody had suggested Bobby Lennox, but I think he got 98. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. You only got 98. Um, I say only. Uh, but again, you could do a recount, I think. A lot of the games weren't televised when Bobby Bobby played. And if you imagine the, the fact that, and I know that Jimmy played in the same era, but if you imagine the fact that um, if a game wasn't televised, James, and it wasn't mentioned, who set the goal up because assists weren't the big thing at the time. And if you read some of the match reports back in the, particularly the kind of early to mid-60s, you know, there wasn't a great deal of depth as to what was going on um, other than in the evening papers, which were basically typed and printed straight away. And it was a proper report, 35 minutes, James McKenzie takes down Alex Ray or whatever. And, you know, it reported it like that. But I'm pretty sure Bobby Lennox will have set up more than 100 goals, but he's not been credited with them. So I think we could throw Bobby Lennox into the mix as well. So McGregor and Forrest, a couple of things we were talking about is the fact that um, there's a real emotional element to supporting a club like Celtic, and there's a real traditional element as well. And part of that tradition, certainly for me, tell me if you disagree with this in the modern game in the comments section, uh, because everybody's um, entitled to have a different view, I think it's important for a Celtic team, James, to have the nucleus of um, academy players within the side. And maybe that's because that's the type of Celtic teams that I'm 
I'm familiar with. So if you look at the you know the centenary side, for example, that was the first team that I started going to watch in, in person at Celtic Park and the players that had come through the ranks. Now, I know that Pat Bonner came over from Kiju Rovers in 1978, but he was brought over as a youth player. He never kicked a ball for Celtic, I think, until 81. So he, he was regarded as a what would now be an academy player. Um, and then you had players like Roy Aiken, Paul McStay, Tommy Burns, Peter Grant. These are guys, and a wee bit later on, you know, Derek White came through and players that came through the ranks in Celtic, obviously the Lisbon Lions, a famous example, um, the great majority of those players had come through the reserves. And I, I still think that that's important for a club like Celtic. And at the moment, you know, if you look at that team on Saturday, we've got Jamesy Forrest, we've got Callum McGregor, we've got Tony Ralston. And I do think it's important. Um, how much importance do you think there is on that in the modern day for Celtic, James? Or am I just um, romanticising about you know what it was like back in the day? I mean, it's, for me, it's not even just academy players. I like to have players that have been there for sort of a prolonged period of time. People love familiarity. They're not, people aren't too keen on change. So having players that are there for so long, I mean, in sort of a period of about three or four years, Lustig, Scott Brown, Tom Rogic and Near Beat are all players who were a massive part of my Celtic support in life growing up. I, mean, I can't remember a Celtic team without Scott Brown until he left. It's absolutely incredible. And the fact that James Forrest is still here, I remember the young player, when was it, he broke onto the scene 2010, 2011. So around about that season, the fact he's still there, it's great to have those sort of players there like, to act like a glue in the team of sorts and even Aye. just to welcome new players in to make sure that they get it. Having someone like Cal McGregor to get in touch with players as soon as they join the club, it's sort of absolutely pivotal. Alistair Johnson mentioned how important it was that Cal McGregor texted them and got in touch with them almost straight away as soon as they signed for the club. So to have those sort of players there act as a glue, it's really important. You're not... You're not proving some, so it's not an old-fashioned way. It's it's much needed for Celtic, even in this day and age. I totally agree with it. Um, and, you know, I've been told so many tales of people like uh, Tommy Burns doing that very same thing that you just mentioned there with Callum McGregor. Um, I was at a Tommy Burns supper a few years ago and Alan Ruff was speaking. Now, you know Ruffy was a Celtic <laughs> fan, but he only had a very brief period at the club. And this was when he was in his well into his 30s. Um, and when he signed for Celtic, he went up to Celtic Park um, and he was welcomed by Tommy Burns, who was basically a, a fellow player who was standing waiting at the, the front doors at Celtic to welcome Ruffy in as a Celtic player. And it is important and it's important uh, for people to know what the fabric of the club is and what the club means and the history of the club as well. But you're right in what you say, though, because two of the kind of modern players, Henrik Larson and Scott Brown, they never came through the academy, but, you know, Bruni was here for 14 years, Larson was here for seven, and you do want, you know, a, a, a core of the group to be familiar I like, with I the like club. an effect on the park as well, because how many of the, the players that, well, it was nine titles in a row, how many of the players there were there from the first title to the ninth title? If you look at that, there's quite a lot of players. So, again, having that sort of familiarity, you, you know who your teammate is. Mm-hmm. Scott Brown knows when he gets the ball, Tom Rogic is going to be in space. But if he's not in space, he will find space. Just knowing your teammates for such a prolonged period, it, it sort of really pays off. Totally. Having that constant. Um, I always remember it being referred to 
in a different sense behind the scenes there's a boot room mentality and it was always spoken about at Liverpool but I felt that Celtic have, have had that for many many years as well that familiarity James often the players um, retire and then you know they go into the back room and, and people do say jobs for the boys they need to be good at the job and I do get that but I don't think you know, the focus has been on any of the backroom team this season because we're doing well, so they must have something in their locker. Now, you sent me a wee report first thing this morning. You must have been up early this morning. Uh, Stephen Welsh. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Stephen Welsh is somebody we've spoken a lot about, right? And just at the end of last week and over the charity weekender, we were chatting about what what to do with Stephen Welsh. We brought in Kobayashi. We already have Carter Vickers. We already have Starfelt. um, And I think that... Uh, I'm just being told that we're number 57 in the charts. 57 in the charts. That is unbelievable. We started this show at 12.30. It was 12.30. Maybe 12.31. And we were sitting at number 88 in the charts, right? And because I've been banging on about it, and obviously we're doing the social media stuff, 57. James, that's astonishing. I'm amazed at that. That is superb. Let's get us pushed into the top 40. That would be a dream. Uh, Stephen Welsh, what do we do with Stephen Welsh? He's getting interest from England, Porto, Italian clubs and French clubs. All interested in Stephen Welsh. He's a man in demand. Do you let him go? And if so, is it permanent or on loan? Well, I think we spoke about it last week, the sort of dilemma you're in with him and Maurice Jens. Do you hold out for the summer for Jens and pay the money then or to just keep Stephen Welsh around? I think Jens has showed enough signs where you do pay the money for him. I think for Stephen Wells, the alarm bells would have been ringing as soon as we signed Yuki Kobayashi. As soon yeah. as that got announced, I think it is going to be the end of the road for Stephen Welsh. And you've seen the amount of Scottish players that have gone over to Italy and succeeded. Guys like Josh Doy, guys like Lewis Ferguson and Aaron Hickey. It's a at the moment. Yeah. Got big moves. I think there's even some Italian clubs looking at Brian Porteous just now. So if we're looking to sell Stephen Welsh, a move to Italy is what it wouldn't be too far off for him, even going to Porto as well. If those reports are true, it would be an absolutely massive move. But I think a move to Italy would be sort of the best thing for his career. There's positive signs he's shown that. I think for a modern-day centre-back, you've got to be able to pass out from the back. And mm. I think that's one of the best things about Stephen Welsh's game is passing range. It's been absolutely phenomenal. So going to Italy playing sort of the cat and actual style in that league, it's going to make him an even better defender than he was before. Uh, you, you know what? I'm going to be watching this one with interest because I am a fan of Stephen Welsh, but I can understand why he would move at this moment in time. I had suggested over the weekend that a loan move would be great with an option to buy for the club. And uh, obviously we can then make a decision on Jens. You know, because the worst thing that could happen for us is he does a Jack Hendry. You know, he goes over there, he performs brilliantly, he gets in the Scotland team, and then you regret that you've let him go. So that'll be an interesting one. Um, it's been a very, very quick hour. I know that I've been banging on about the single, but this is all for charity. We're leading up to Christmas, and we've released the glory in the dream this morning, and it's sitting at number 57 in the UK charts, and that's just absolutely off the scale. We are going to be playing it on every show, but we're going to start the show early for anybody who uh, doesn't want to sit for the first three minutes of the show and watch the video, and we're going to play it at the end as well. If you want to download it, if you want to push it into the top 40 and make as much money as possible for St Mary's, the link is right underneath this video. Click on the link, it's a 99 pence download. If you can't do that, you can stream it. You can put it on your Spotify 
Repeat it. Go to your bed. Do the dishes. Go for a run. Do whatever you want to do. But just put it on repeat and let's push this into the top 40. I think that would be an incredible achievement and hopefully make a lot of money for St Mary's. A quick update before we go. Um, over the weekend, we raised about £3,000 Saturday and Sunday, which is astonishing. Thanks, everybody, for making uh, your donations. We've got a whole host of signed framed memorabilia that was handed in kind of late last night by the penalty spot in Sword Street in Glasgow. They have donated these items, 12 items, um, and we're going to be um, we're going to be auctioning them off on an on a eBay page over the next 48 hours. Uh, with all monies going to the charity as well. And of course, we've got the single. And hopefully we can get about 10 grand that we can present to St Mary's so they can use that within the communities. It's the birthplace of the club. We need to look after it. James McKenzie, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to drop us down a wee bit here and we're going to put on the glory and the dream. Please join us again at 12.27 tomorrow for a Celtic State of Mind.
message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.